So, uh, this week we are actually in week four of this series that we have called Dream On. And we're studying the life of Joseph. And so what we've been talking about in this series is about the dreams that God has put in our heart. And not only the dream, but also the destiny, which is the fulfillment of that dream. And we've said that God, he understands the dream to the destiny. He sees it all from the beginning to the end. But we, we live in the middle, in, in the space in the middle. And so this is the question for this series is how do we travel from the dream to the destiny and how do we do it well? And so we're learning that from the life of Joseph. And as we study Joseph, we understand that he is born into a very dysfunctional family. Uh, he's the 11th son of 12 boys. He was raised by a father who spoiled him to the point that his brothers hated him and actually sold him into slavery. And Joseph uh, kind of contributed to that because, you know, he, he had this selfish pride. When God gave him his dream, he thought he was better than his brothers. And so we find out that the way that you hold the dreams that God gives you determines if and when they come to pass. And so although he learns this lesson early on uh, to lay down his pride, he's still got a lot more to go through. So we also learned that it's, God is faithful to the promised outcome, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your journey is going to be easy. Because when Joseph is sold into slavery, he actually uh, he doesn't lose the fact that God is with him. And so because he knows God's with him, he acts like it. And he rises to the top of the house uh, that Potiphar, where Potiphar was. And he, Potiphar was the, one of the most powerful officials in the most powerful country in the world, which makes Joseph an incredibly powerful man. And it's in this moment that, that Joseph, he, he gets one of his biggest tests. He's tempted sexually by Potiphar's wife. And we discovered that temptation is always, almost always strategic in our lives, and many times after a big win. And so although Joseph gets propositioned by Potiphar's wife, he resists that because he realizes what he has to lose, and he runs. So he resists her, and this makes her incredibly hangry, or angry, so she screams rape. She falsely accuses Joseph of rape, and so when Potiphar hears about that, the Bible says that he gets angry and he throws Joseph into prison. So here he is. Because he did the right thing, he's now in prison. And so this is where we pick up the story in, uh, in 3920. But while Joseph was there in prison, watch this. The Lord was what? Does that sound familiar? This is the exact same thing that was said about Joseph when Joseph was sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. And maybe that's the thing that some of you need to hear today. Whatever you're going through, God has not left you. He didn't leave Joseph. And, and look, the last words of Jesus before he left his, this earth, he said, this is the last thing that he said before he left. He said, surely I am with you until the very end of the age. And that's really, that's easy to think about when you're on the other side of, of all these roller coaster things, right? But when you're in the middle, like Joseph is, that's difficult, but it's true. So, sometimes, sometime later, 
the cupbearer and the baker of the kingdom of Egypt, which is Pharaoh, they offended their master, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so Pharaoh was angry with this, these two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody of the house of the captain of the guard. Now, that's Potiphar, okay, the one that threw Joseph in jail. In the, and they're in the same jail that Joseph's in. So then the captain of the guard, which, once again, is Potiphar, he assigned them to Joseph. It's interesting. And so Joseph attended them. And then after they had been in custody for some time, we don't know how long, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, or Pharaoh, who were being held in prison, they had a dream on the same night, and each dream had a meeting of its own. So when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, and he asked the two of them who were in, in custody, why do you look so sad today? Turn your frown upside down. So they said, we both had dreams, they answered, uh, but there is nobody, there's no one to interpret them. So these guys, they've got their own issues. They're in prison as well, right? And neither one of them had planned in their life to get thrown into prison, and yet, here they are. And so even in their prison, they have a dream. But why are they so dejected? They had a dream. It's because nobody can tell them how to interpret. Nobody can help them make sense of where they are and why they are where they are. They were hoping this dream, but nobody can interpret it. And maybe that's where some of us are today. Maybe you're in a place where you never thought you would be. And the reason it's so frustrating is because nobody around you, nobody seems to be able to tell you what in the world is going on and what's happening. And they give you, you know, these Christian they placate you and say, well, just, you know, just God is good. And he is. But nobody can tell you what's going on. And what Joseph says next, I think, should really, really just sink in to our hearts. Watch what he says. Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. He doesn't say do not interpretations fall under your horoscope or a mystic, or a, mystic or, or a magic eight ball for that matter? The news, your favorite commentator. Mm. No, interpretations belong to one person and that is to God. You see, this, this is very significant in the lesson that we're going to learn today. Because a lot of times that's not actually who we turn to to help us. When we end up in, in our proverbial prisons, we don't understand why we're there. We many times turn to everyone and everybody else other than God. And here's the problem that a lot of us have is that our circumstances must be interpreted through God's lens, not our limited perspective. I, I think sometimes we all struggle with taking other perspectives into account when they don't line up with what we think should make sense. I mean, I struggle with that. I mean, like when Melissa and I first got married, I could not believe how different our perspectives were. Am I the only one? I couldn't understand it. Like, that's wrong. That doesn't make any sense. What's wrong with you? I couldn't understand her perspective. I had no idea how different men and women think. And by the way, I don't think what culture tells you, men and women, 
They think very differently. Now, that doesn't make one better than the other, but our minds are actually designed different. Scientifically, they've proven this. And in many ways, the way a man's brain is designed, it's very, very different. Uh, Mark Gunger talks about this, that in a man's mind, we have boxes that we think in, and they don't touch each other. We have a box for work, we have a box for kids, we have a box for our marriage, our hobbies, and a lot of men, actually, we have a nothing box. We legitimately have a, a box where we think about nothing. And if we want to talk about family, we pull that out, and we leave all the other boxes closed, and we address that one thing. And, and this is how most men's brains work, okay? This is their perspective. So when ladies ask us, hey, what are you thinking about right now? Nothing. We actually mean it. We are thinking about nothing. Now, that makes no sense to you ladies because you can never think about nothing. You're like, how do you do, how does that even work? Because in a woman's mind, all the wires, all the wires are intertwined. Everything's intertwined. It's like spaghetti. Okay, so family intertwines with work, intertwines with the kids, intertwines with sex, by the way, intertwines with everything else. Women's minds, they are so different. Their perspective. Melissa and I can be having a conversation, and we can be in one box. And remember, the other boxes don't touch. And then she will shift, and she will skip from one box to another box. She will leave one conversation into another box, and I frequently say, did we... Did we change subjects? Because I, I'm okay with closing that box, opening the other box, having that discussion. But, but I, get, I get so confused because our perspectives are different. And so I am fine with if I understand that other people have different perspectives. Because she will, she'll go back and forth and then end up weaving back into the same box. And I'm just so confused. Men and women think differently. I had to learn about her. When she says I'm fine, there's a possibility she does not mean I am fine. It makes no sense to me. But look, every healthy relationship requires that you fight to see things through the other person's perspective. All right? But when we take those that human relationships and kind of put it aside we talk about a relationship with god which matters more than any other relationship how often are we trying to take god's perspective into view in our situations versus just how we think things should be and our perspective a lot of times for a lot of us we actually we never take god's perspective into view and in fact uh, a lot of us we want God to think like us. Life would be so much easier if God just thought like us. God should think like us. This doesn't make sense with, to me, God. This doesn't line up well with my perspective. Did you know God doesn't think like us at all? I, I mean, at all. And this might be news for some of you. But listen, don't take my word for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm just trying to teach you the scriptures. And in fact, I want to teach you, I want to show you clearly how clear this is in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. It's, this is God speaking, okay? This is God telling us about how he thinks. And he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you. 
and neither are my ways your ways. Neither are your ways my ways. So, God, I understand that you don't think, uh, you know, you don't think like me. I mean, how different are we? Just maybe a couple degrees. I don't, you know, how different, how different do we think? Well, let me show you. As the heavens are higher than the earth, that's how different that we think. So we're my, my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's different galaxies. See, when we, we've got to understand that when we have blinders on, we're focused on what we see. And we don't take God's huge perspective of what he's trying to do in our life into account a lot of times. Because we are walking through life with blinders. When you're in your proverbial prison, it's so hard to step back and ask, how is God taking this evil that has happened to me? And how is he going to turn it around for my good? How much do we wrestle with that? That's a good thing to wrestle with. When bad things happen, when things are unfair, we have to make sure that we are interpreting things correctly from God's perspective, looking through his lens, his perspective, and not just our own. So when things seem to be going wrong, realize God might be doing something huge in your life, and you just can't see it. So we've got to be... We got to begin thinking about things through his perspective. Well, Micah, if that's the case, then why is what's happening? What, why is my proverbial Christ prison, why does it hurt so bad? Why does it have to be so painful if God is doing something? I mean, if God was good, why would he allow me to go through this? And I think what we have to understand this is a hard truth, but it's very, very true. And it, it's, it's hard to understand this truth, but Joseph experienced this truth, and that is this. God is much more interested in developing our character than our comfort. I'm going to say that again, because somebody needs to hear this. God is much more interested in developing our character than our comfort. And especially here in the U.S., I'm telling you, we have been addicted to comfort. Everything in our life is to make us more comfortable. We need a more comfortable car, more comfortable seats, more comfortable house. I don't have the air-conditioned seats. My life is over. We want comfort at all costs. And listen, God does not operate that way. Read through the scriptures of the Bible. New Testament and Old Testament, it's obvious in their lives. God wanted to develop their character so that he could do bigger and better things through them, and that's for us as well. Now listen, that doesn't mean he's the author of anything evil in your life. God would not will evil to happen and then condemn evil at the same time, okay? It would, the, the universe would implode, all right? But here's the question that, that we're asking is, so in this proverbial pris, uh, prison, how do we navigate the space in between our dreams and our destiny Sometimes life is grand and total bliss, but sometimes life doesn't go the way that we want it to, and it involves emotional pain, heartache, betrayal. For the disciples, it actually involved physical pain and persecution. 
God wants to develop our character because the things in our destiny requires strength that we don't have right now. So he will use those evil things, the things that the devil meant for evil, he will use those to actually make us stronger so he could do more with us. Sometimes God wants to take you to a bigger and a better destiny. And there are some uncomfortable places, there's some discomfort, sometimes some even internal pain. Joseph is in a prison. That's uncomfortable, but God is developing him. Training for greater things always takes place in lesser things. In Genesis 41, Joseph is going to be elevated. Spoiler alert, he's going to be elevated to the palace. He's going to become the number two most powerful man on the planet. That's where God is going to take him. But this day, he's in a prison. And to develop him for that moment with that much power, God is going to develop him in a prison. And Joseph is getting ready to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And now God looks at Joseph's faithfulness and says, are you going to interpret faithfully these dreams of just a small cupbearer and a baker? Because you remember, Joseph's life's been a roller coaster, right? And with that, it's been a series of dreams that have come in and out of his life. In Joseph's first dream, watch this, he made it all about him. The dreams that we see that come about from the cupbearer and the baker, here, Joseph has changed. He gives the credit to God. Because you're going to see that Joseph, he has developed to the point that he makes the dream all about God now. And watch this. What's happening is God is taking these lesser circumstances that Joseph is in. They're not fair. They are evil. And God is using that to actually develop him so he can be able to handle the power of the, of the second most powerful person on the planet. And what we need to know is this. How we respond to lesser things... It's a test of how you're going to do with greater things. Joseph was faithful in a prison. Let me ask you a question. What prison are you in right now? Could it be that God is watching how you're handling it? Jesus said this in Luke 16.10. He said, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But... Listen, don't ask for bigger things from God when you're not being faithful with the little things. It would destroy you if you got it. He says, but if you're dishonest with little things, you're not going to be honest with the greater responsibility. They will destroy you. So many times people want promotion. And yet they don't go above and beyond with the little things that they got now. I want a better car. Well, is your car clean? Are you taking care of it? Oak trees always start with little tiny uh, acorns. It's a process. And we got to be better with the, we got to be okay with the process and realize that God is going to train us for greater things in the lesser things. But look, he also uses these prison seasons to test us. Uh, one of our pastors just recently had a heart test. And it passed with flying colors. But, but they went, what the doctor didn't do is sit him down and just go, hey, how's your heart doing? Oh, yeah, doc, my heart feels great. No issues. I feel good. Okay, check. 
No, he doesn't do that. You know, what does he do? He, puts you, he hooks you up to a treadmill and runs the living mess out of you. He tests you like crazy. Why? He wants to see your heart under stress, under pressure, so that he can see if any issues come out. It's the only way to test your physical heart. So, for some of us, you know what the last two years have done? Showed us some things that were on the inside of us. Revealed some things. You don't think so? Go back and look at your Facebook comments. Do you like what you saw in yourself in the last two years? So much anger and anxiety rose to the top. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was unforgiveness and bitterness, obsession, self-centeredness. It was all about your opinion, and everybody needed to think like you. How do we really know what's on the inside? The way you really know what's on the inside of someone is when you squeeze it. That's when we see what comes out, is in the lesser things. And some of us need to realize that the prisons we're in, it's a test. And we've got to pay attention to what's coming up. We all need to know that when we're squeezed, that yes, prisons will always reveal your character. But a prison will not always develop your character. That's up to how you, how you what, your, what your viewpoint is. We have to allow this to happen. Man, in the last two years, there were some things that I, that I liked that came out of me, and I thought, wow, I did, I did really well there. I'm proud of myself. And then there were some things that I did not like at all. There were some things that I, I realized, wow, I really need to develop in that area. What area in your life, when you're squeezed, what area does God need to develop you to take you to the next level? Because we got to understand, this is how it happens. Because hardship often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. That's a smart, that's a smart man. God has so much more for each and every one of us. But it's how we handle the hardship that will actually dictate the, pre the preparation for ever receiving more. Joseph, he is developing a lot in prison. And he gives credit to God for interpreting the cupbearer and the, and the baker's dream. He does a great thing with this small task. And so in Genesis 41, he says, when two full years had passed, then Pharaoh had a dream. He's still in the jail for two years. And now Pharaoh has a dream. And we know that Joseph is now 30 years old. Now, we don't know how long exactly he's been in prison. We know it's been at least two years, maybe up to four um, but here's what we do know. <laughs> Watch this. His first detour in, in, back in 30, chapter 37 was way longer than this one. It was likely 10 or 11 years that he was enslaved in Potiphar's house, where this was only three, maybe two, two to four years. Why the difference in length? Could it be that Joseph is developing as a, at a faster rate now than when he was younger? I think that's a re that could be a reason, and here's why. is because when Pharaoh has a dream and nobody can interpret it, the cupbearer, he finally remembers Joseph. He says, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, he, he told me to remember him when I got out, but I forgot. But, hey, Pharaoh, I know a guy. I know a guy that can interpret your dream. 
And so they called Joseph before Pharaoh, and he's standing in front of the most important, powerful person, man, in the whole world. And Joseph is in prison, and you'd think his life was over, that he could be in prison for the rest of his life. And now he's standing in front of the man who could not only free him, but could change the course of his destiny, change his whole life, his whole family. This is his one shot. It's like an Eminem song. This is his one shot. Don't mess it up, Joseph. So Pharaoh looks at Joseph and he says, can you interpret my dream? And look at what Joseph says next. Because it has the potential, remember, to, to, to destroy him or to set him free. And listen to what he says. I can't do it. What? I can't do it. You just blew it. Right there. You had the chance. And look, you're, gonna, you're back in prison now, if not beheaded. You cannot do it. What are you talking about? Sorry, Pharaoh. I can't do it. But watch what he says next. But God will. And by the way, Pharaoh, there is a God that will, that you don't even believe in, that I have staked my whole entire life on. That's how much faith Joseph has at this point. That's how developed that he has become through his trials. And he, so here he is, and God has used this moment, th these seasons that, have, that he's gone through as a slave and as a prisoner to develop Joseph. God is not going to bring us to our destiny until he knows that we are ready for it. Because your destiny, if you're not prepared for it, if you're not ready for it, your destiny will destroy you if you're not strong enough. Because if God brought us there without us being ready, we would fail. And look, I don't know what detour you're on. I don't know how painful it is. But I wonder, are we just going through it? Are we learning through it? Or are we complaining about it? You could just go through a valley and go, God, thank God that's over. Or you can go through it and be like, yes, more character, more development. So here's my challenge for you today. Don't give up on your dream, even if it takes you a long time to realize it. And a lot of times it will. It'll take a long time to realize your dream. And I love this verse in Habakkuk. Watch this. The things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily. Surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow, don't despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. Oh, I don't like that word. I'm out. Nobody likes that word. But it is a part of the journey that we need to know. It says that they will not be overdue a single day. I love that part. That God's purpose and plan for you, his destiny for you, is not going to be overdue. I know it feels like a long time. And that's why Galatians says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So, 
You have to recognize and you have to value the process. Because God does. You can say it this way. When something is happening to you, God actually wants to do something in you. That is a fact. And look, that's why, that's not the part that we enjoy, but it's actually the best for us. God is faithful to his promised end, but he uses the trials in between to to get us there sometimes. God sometimes is trying to teach us. And we've got to take our, change our prayer from take it away to God, help me understand what you're going to develop in me. In, and I promise you, you'll get out of that trial faster if you... If you pray, God, teach me, as opposed to God, take it away. He's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And he can use these things in an amazing way because he's faithful. It's like your kids. They wake up in the morning, I don't want to go to school. Yeah, but we're not interested in your comfort. Because we want you to leave the house one day. (laughs) We're interested in developing them, right? It's like, oh, yeah, sure, skip school, sleep in, you know? No, we're interested in developing them, and God is interested in developing us. And if we don't recognize that and value that this life, this journey, this space in between, if we don't recognize that, this, it's going to be even more difficult. But if you see it as a, a place to develop you, then you'll love it. Because it's not your life and what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. That makes a difference. Watch this. In 1 Peter, it says, Be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Not today, ahead. Even though you must, right now, you must endure many trials for a little while. And this is why they're there. Watch this. Verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. When they want to purify gold, they heat it really hot. And the impurities rise to the top and they take them off. And we need to recognize when God has us in that skimming process. Sometimes we're praying away the very thing that he's using. Because every storm, every test, it's a place where he teaches. God is trying to use it in our life. And then he says, so when your faith remains strong through the trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed in the world. So God is working in your trials. This is how we apply. This is my challenge to you. A great verse out of James says, consider it pure joy when you when you uh, when you face trials. Woohoo! Wow, what's going on with you? I'm facing trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, where whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Why would you do that? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And why? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know why we're not mature sometimes? We're trying to pray it all away. I'm telling you, if we don't learn this principle, life becomes miserable. But when we start start recognizing, oh, that's what it's all about. Teach me, God. Develop me. And if we can do that, we'll be able to thrive through these tests and these trials of life. And then, just like Joseph, no matter what life throws at us, we will rise to the top. 
that's what happens to Joseph. And that's where we're going to pick it up next week in Dream On. Now, before we, before we move on, two things. Number one, Joseph, or God never used sickness in Joseph's life. This is a, prop, this is a popular teaching among churches today is that part of what God uh, uses in your life and the teaching actually says that sometimes he will even make you sick for you to be able to learn something and that God uses sickness in our life to, to, to show us stuff in all of what I've taught you is completely true and you'll see it in the Bible over and over and over and over and yet you will not see sickness ever used in that situation and if God is and because if we apply this message to sickness then you should throw all your medicine out because God is trying to, you shouldn't be trying to get out of your sickness. You shouldn't be taking headache medicine because, wow, this might be God trying to teach me something. So let me just, in fact, let me bang my head against the floor because maybe that'll help me. God does not use sickness in that way. He does not instigate sickness. And, uh, and we are part of his atonement on the cross. Was to, that's why we take communion. It is the blood with the forgiveness of sin and bread which is by his stripes we were healed so don't mistake those two okay the second thing that i want to say is that i want to challenge you this week to just think about some your proverbial prison some of the trials that you're going through and although god is not the author of your of your pain and he's not the author of evil in your life and you want to get out of that as quick as possible I understand that. But the way to get out of it is asking the Holy Spirit, what is it that you are developing in me in the middle of this? So you don't want to stay in the, it's not like, well, you know, I'm just going to stay in trials for the rest of my life. Joseph didn't. And I don't think we should either. But he was faithful and he milked those trials for everything that he possibly could. He was faithful in the middle of them. He rose to the top of every when he was a slave he rose to the top when he was a prisoner he rose to the top raised to the top of your proverbial prison and as you do that you'll learn what you need in order for you to come out of that and then you'll be developed for higher and better things amen would you stand with me